Hello, Slacks. My name is Kim Senklip Harvey, and this is episode four of the Indigenous Cultural Evolutionist. On this week's episodes, we're going to be going over my latest blog and talking a little bit about what I've been learning at school on the Kwanang territory. Here is the blog for this week on September 30th, 2019. A short essay. I am in an extremely privileged position going to UVic getting my master's. It is a lot of work and scheduling since I'm still working full-time in theater with Skyborne in pre-production, but I know how fortunate I am to be full-time in both fields, and I want to make what I'm learning uh, available to people outside the academy because that knowledge sharing is a value of being a Salish woman. So I'm going to try and capture some of my assignments on this podcast, which will include some creative writing, anecdotes about me diving into the lessons and my experiences of writing outside my main discipline of playwriting. One of my profs called it a writer's cross training, and as a sports enthusiast, I like that sentiment. I will add that I've been challenging the allotment of being put into genre. All of my professors have been supportive of this refusal. I think genre and categorization of an artist or community member is a state tactic to make us more controllable. And I'm here to be very inconvenient to the state and the institutions. I was talking to a friend the other day and they were asking, how's school going? And I said, I'm finding it very useful to my practice. Kevin Kerr and I spoke before I entered the academy and agreed that we want my experience in school to be in service to support my professional work, not additional writing, but supportive, sort of auxiliary, complementary to my storytelling. Kerr is very aware that I have commissions and responsibilities to the community and family, and I've been able to use school assignments to focus on my research for Break Horizons, which is exciting. I've been looking at these genres and locating them in the scope of playwriting, a play, So let's slide into today's lesson, the short essay. A short essay is between 250 and 500 words and can be written like a longer essay with a thesis, intro, conclusion, etc., and then sort of condensed down. Some short essays come very close to short fiction, but in the essay format, there is a reflective point of view commentary on the actions happening in the piece. What I found is the main difference is that in lieu of supporting evidence, there is introspection, which I really like. We read a bunch of examples and prepped to write our own, some being from the late Richard Wagamese's The Language of Fishermen and On the Wings of the Eagles, or On the Wings of Eagles, which I thoroughly recommend uh, to go and check out. I like the short essay. Uh, They remind me a bit of blogs or social media rants, which, uh, as you guys know, I'm pretty well versed in. We also read One O'Clock in the Morning by Charles Baudelaire, and there was an urgency about it that I liked. It reminded me of someone at the end of the night who was going off or they hopped in a cab. I like short essays that embody this sort of urgent aliveness. When I approached my own short essay, I was very conscious of the word count. You can get to 500 words real quick, which got me thinking about the English language and counting words. And I journeyed down this sort of thought investigation for a while, which is how I landed on this. Why friends? I can't pronounce it. I just misspelled pronounce. I just misspelled, misspelled. Fuck. I'm trying to unremember English in hopes to remember my languages. 
Some people say that we've been dispossessed. Dispossessed is an English word about indigenous culture. Bracket, from the soil it grows. We don't have a word, thought, or ideology for, quote, possession. But how do I know this? Possession. It slithers off my lips. It doesn't even vibrate. Shun, shun. It evaporates on an exhale, dies on transmission. Such a cowardly word. They say the West was lost by this wild illiteracy. Stories of the old ones watching the whites construct fences. A funny business thrusting dead trees back in the earth, trying to kill something deathless. My, the white points to his chest. Land, the white points to the ground. Fence, the white points to dead trees stacked on one another. You, there, this, mine. Wasn't this their language? Such isolating devices. The old ones would step over these position trunks as we were not bound by white constructions. Our freedom is ruled by Mother Earth's laws. The old ones erected sacred spaces that grew and fell by nature's constitution, our cathedrals designed to decay, for they, like us, will someday be laid to rest and somatically disappear. What remains is our culture our ever-evolving mysticism that constructs our heritage, our expressions, our relational orations that speak to the bonds we are responsible for and the kin we are accountable to. Relational presencing, not presenting, presencing. My language survives in my heart, but not yet my mouth. I can't speak silch, but I feel Saxon by way of blood memory, silch. Silk. It must be the yill, for that part is the action of making many into one. Pronounce it. I will pronounce it. Why, slacks. So you just heard uh, a reading of my short essay. Um, I didn't title it. Um, I don't really like titling things. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about it. Um, maybe I will like it more. But there was just something about this one, especially in the form of a short essay, that it was kind of this point of view, this perspective, this capturing of a moment in time for me, when I was writing it, I didn't think that it would have a title or somehow that entry point into it would take away from this kind of urgency and this necessity to speak. Um, I addressed and I was talking about um, not knowing my language. And I'm sure if you've been listening to this podcast, that all kind of makes um, sense in correlation to the work that we've been doing with the Kamloopa Translations. And something that I've been really thinking about and and trying to understand it, not just from a cognitive point of view, but from a visceral understanding of where my language actually lives. I know a lot of Indigenous people struggle from this idea of being displaced, dispossessed, um, moved from our territories away from our culture. Not only were we moved um, off of our lands and our traditional territories, but that actually um, echoes for some a distancing from culture. And I find that incredibly important. 
you know, in, in Kamloopa, we talked a lot about how, um, what is our relationality to our culture and and our proximity? And I remember Yolanda Bonnell saying, you know, I grew up on my territory, but that doesn't mean I was close to my culture. And so there's this um, really complicated layering that happens for Indigenous people around um, how do we come to know ourselves? How do we not let colonial and white oppression make us feel empty? And how do we remember that through blood memory, through um, intergenerational knowledge sharing, that things like our languages actually live in us. And it's just our opportunity and turn um, responsibility to figure out how we can um, unleash and find um, all of these things that live within us. Um, I'm currently working on um, an application for... uh, I don't think I can really say yet what it is, but um, it was basically asking like a lot of applications do. What are your point of view? What is your perspective? And it got me really thinking in in a great way that sometimes grants and applications do about what it is um, that we do as artists and what is it that I contribute um, that is uniquely me that is necessary to the fabric of the ecology of artistic practice creation um, my social contributions. And so I wanted to read you a short paragraph um, from my application that kind of addresses what it is that I think I do, and then we'll go back to the blog. So I wrote, um, let's go back a paragraph here. I said, my artistic commitments are in relation to my accountability to you, the jury, the earth, my kin, and our future generations. As a storyteller of my peoples, I work very hard, deliberately, and consciously to create processes that have impacts with these outcomes. I work to ignite the power that lives within people. I don't believe that I can, quote, empower anyone. I believe that we all have been born with the power that we need to live, but systems have been built to oppress parts of the population. And I work to help remove oppressive systems that undermine individuals' innate power. This is a vision that I have had since I was a little girl. I can see the power and joy in people. I can see the wealth of happiness that exists in them. And I use my artistic leadership to create safe spaces for artists and audiences to be vulnerable enough to open up and feel that joy. I believe that a colonial trapping is convincing indigenous people that they have to focus and create trauma-informed narratives to be seen. And I refuse to be complicit in holding up that fallacy. This is the gift I've been given by my ancestors, and it is my responsibility to hone and activate it for the community. And to me, um, I wrote that to explain that I think one of the reasons that I've been asked to hold some level of artistic leadership and to contribute is because I think we're still trapped in this idea. And unfortunately, because colonialism and oppression and patriarchy is so insidious and so oppressive, it makes us think that we have to acquire our indigeneity. And for me, a part of this um, short essay was to express that it's in us. You know, when I write something like a funny business thrusting dead trees back into the earth, trying to kill something deathless that there was such a contradiction, such an irony to the way colonization worked in the ontological um, position of indigenous peoples where things like possession didn't even exist. And there just really was no way, and there still is no way, of possessing the earth, 
And we can see that right now in our conflict with the climate. It's just not working. That point of view is 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 false. And um I wanted to make an offer and share this with people, you know, saying things like my language survives in my heart but not yet my mouth is the sentiment that um I firmly believe everything we need to be in terms of the the foundation, the root, the core, the bones, the blood, the marrow of what it means to be indigenous is in us right now. That was the point of Kamlupa that is at the at, at the core and the and really in the bones of of um much of the work that I do is to remind people, remind indigenous folks that we were born with everything that we need and um you know, in the previous podcast, we talked about absolute truth, this idea that you have to have particular articulations of a language uh, to know it is um, just one way. It's only one way. And I really want to encourage Indigenous people to um, embody their own way of being and epistemology, way of knowing, of living in their indigeneity. Um. There was something too about exploring the the phonetics and the spelling. And if you go to the blog, you can see that I messed around with some of the spelling. Uh, I also do that in a way to kind of undermine, you know, the academy. Uh, I was I have some qualms around like going back to school and and getting and making spelling errors. So it was kind of a, you know, this is a deliberate spelling error because of the language and the barrier and you know uh you know last week we talked about having to speak the captor's language and i wanted to reclaim my power in having agency over writing um coming from an oral people so that is my short essay that is my understanding and experience of it um and i continue on the blog to say if you have some examples and favorite short essays of your own that you've come across please send me a message and or post in the comment section of this blog you can also shoot me a message on the anchor app uh and we can go over it next week so knowledge sharing for all with lots of indigenous love slacks kim p.s There are some events happening this week that I recommend and I want to give some time on this podcast to speak to them. The Cultures Transform Festival opens this Wednesday with two opening nights. I'm going to be on Thursday. um, So put your town clothes on and get yourself there. It's going to be incredible. A really incredible night of matriarchy, indigeneity, uh, powerful people telling incredible stories and good entertainment. And the cult is like all of our cousins. So we got to support them and we love them. Also, Brendy and I are hitting up the Virago Nation night, um, which is the Indigenous Burlesque Troupe on Saturday, October 5th. Um, my friend and storyteller extraordinary Jim Parasaram is opening his show, Take It to Milk, Nah, and it is selling out fast. So get your tickets ASAP. There is a link to all of these on my blog. I also saw the shipment at the fire hall last Friday and fucking loved it. So make sure you hit that up. I'm also checking out Lisa Jackson's transmissions at SFU this Friday. Uh, I've heard nothing but incredible things about the whole experience. It is art season and there are so many events coming up. So contact me use the comment section about what you're going to what you're excited about uh and to share what i should see so that's it that's all we've got a shorter episode for you this week because i have got a bajillion readings to do some writings to do some reflection of my fellow cohorts writings to do and i gotta get to work i also feel like i'm battling a cold um but that's okay 
Please share and subscribe to the Indigenous Cultural Evolutionists. A big part and a big value, as I've said on here and at my blog, is knowledge sharing and sharing the access that I have um, in all of my experiences with the community. So it really helps me out when you give me a share. I hope you all have a lovely week. And if you have any questions or comments, again, get in touch. And also, I really want to encourage you, if you feel so inclined and you're like starting to write or haven't written for a while, the short essay is an incredible genre to start. It's, you know, just 250 words. Mine, oh, mine ended up being, I think it was 303 words. It's really small. It's really short. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Pick something you want to talk about. Come in with a point of view. You don't have to share, but if you do write one and you want to send it over to me, I'd love to see it. I think one of the things that I'm really excited about and, and grateful to be at the university for is this kind of feels like I was saying to my friend Pippa, like a, 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 a reality TV show writing competition. Not necessarily a competition because uh, I don't need to compare myself to the other cohort. It's just really an honor to get their, to hear their readings and hear everyone's point of view. But it's like each week there's a new assignment and if you don't show up, up you'll be kicked off the island <laughs> not necessarily but as a master's student there are really high expectations around um uh, your level of executions and professionalism so you might get kicked out of the university if you don't do it properly so uh there is a little bit of pressure to show up and do great but you don't have to get kicked off the island you can just hang out wherever you're at and write a short essay um and i'd love to hear them if you do lots of love take care of yourself Get out there and hit up some of these incredible events that are happening. Come meet me. Come say hi. Let's stay in communion and bear witness to the beautiful work that is Indigenous work, that is people of color's work, that is the short essay, and that is you. Lots of love to you and your families. Waikh Hulnitha. This is Kim Sankla Harvey, and you've been listening to the Indigenous Cultural Evolutionist. If you've been a reader of the blog, you know that I am a fan of the postscript. I wanted to honor that today I recorded this episode on September 30th, which is Orange Shirt Day, with the hashtag EveryChildMatters. This campaign recognizes Indigenous children, past, present, and future, who feel like they haven't been seen or oppressed or marginalized by Canadian state-run systems. In particular, those ancestors of ours who survive and did not survive the state-run genocide programs that we now know and call the residential school systems. As an intergenerational survivor myself, I took a moment and paused to think how I could center joy and remember this. I tweeted, Deep love to all the indigenous spirits who've been positioned to feel like you don't matter. Remember, that is a colonial construct and fallacy. You matter. You always have and always will. We are the timeless results of our ancestors' infinite indigenous love. Orange heart emoji, hashtag orange shirt day.